sacrifices. You've got to make sacrifices for your team. To answer your question. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Today's guest is one of the best competitive grapplers in the world who also has one of the most entertaining and unique styles, Gio Martinez. We had a really interesting conversation about Gio's background as a breakdancer and how he ended up falling in love with jiu-jitsu and transitioning over to that sport instead. We also had a great chat about family and how him and his brother, Richie Martinez, influenced and inspired each other to reach an elite level in the sport. I also got some of Gio's thoughts on the upcoming Polaris Squads event, where he'd be representing Team USA taking on Team Brazil, with some epic matches in store amongst some of the best grapplers in the world. Just before we get started as well, I want to say a quick thanks to everyone for all the positive feedback on my new leg lock instructional course at Technically.com. If you want to check it out and add some new and unique leg lock ideas to your game, there's a link down in the description below, along with some of my other instructionals and courses as well. But anyway, let's jump into another episode of Inside Position with Gio Martinez. Hi Gio, thanks for coming on the show, really appreciate it. What's up man, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I know everyone asks you a bit about the breakdancing, but I was wondering what the process is of getting good at that, if it's similar at all to getting good at jiu-jitsu and how you had the ambition back in the day to try and pursue breakdancing, which is kind of a, a different thing in, in and of itself. Yeah, I definitely think um, breakdancing, b-boying is playing like an underground art over here. It's not really like a big mainstream, even though like a lot of people know about it. It's still very underground, kind of like jiu-jitsu. You know, it's like people know about it, but they don't really know about it. To get good at b-boying, you obviously have to learn like basic foundation. But then once you have the basic foundation down, then it's really about you being creative and kind of making up your own style, your own signature, your own movement. You know, a lot of times, like, you can be a skilled dancer, but uh, to be, like, known and respected in the community, you have to go out there and battle, too. I guess, like, that's similar to jiu-jitsu, too. You know, you see a lot of guys they're really good at, you know, at the gym, and, you know, they're really, like, hometown heroes, but then they don't really go out there and compete and put themselves out there, so you don't really get to hear about them. Very similar to that concept, because uh, b-boying is, like, you have to go out there and grind and put yourself out there to build up your name and... And um, to get some kind of momentum so people could recognize who you are. Because talent is good, but you also got to hustle to build your name up. You know, it's like a grind in that sense, too. Skill-wise, it's very similar. Like, you train as much as you can. And jiu-jitsu is a little different. You do better when you have a team, like a big team to train with. B-boy, you can train by yourself, really. You know, you really could put on the music and just practice for hours by yourself. You don't really have a coach either. So you kind of got to figure things out as you go. You know, you don't have like a coach trying to guide you. You're almost like your own coach when you start out. And then sometimes you have mentors, but um, the training regimen is very similar. You know, you, you have to train your body to be flexible, strong, and remember patterns. And what's it like doing the battles? What's going through your mind just before you step on? Are you trying to have an empty mind? Are you trying to psych the other person out? You know, very similar, like I said, to jiu-jitsu and martial arts. Like, you know, feel a little nervous and, you know, get the butterflies and get excited and all that. But... You want to try to show like you're not intimidated, like you're excited, you're pumped up and like you're ready to go and you're excited, not nervous. Even though you might be a little nervous, that's just part of the process. I think battling, the more excited, the more energy you have behind you, the the better you do in the in the battle. And jiu-jitsu, you don't really always need that energy. You can be calm and relaxed and still do well. I feel in dancing, you want to have like really good energy so people can feed off that energy. You can't be kind of like too calm, you know what I mean? If you're too calm, too relaxed, 
even though you execute your technique, people are not going to feed off your energy. So for you to be able to like really go win a battle, not only do you have to be technical, but you have to focus on the energy that you're putting in the battle. You know, people got to feed off that. So it's another kind of element to worry about. You know what I mean? Because you're already there trying to be technical, but now you got to be funky and entertaining to everybody else. So it's kind of weird, but it's very exciting too. It's like, it's a, you know, in jiu-jitsu, we get like a, us grapplers, we get a, you know, we get like a high when we compete. You know, you feel like that competitor's high. It's hard to explain, you know, you get in a flow state. And I feel that flow state is also and b-boying very similar once you start battling you find your flow and you're you're feeling good you're dancing to the music the energy is there the people are feeling you and you get in a flow state and it's like the best high ever you know just like jujitsu i think that's what we're addicted to (laughs) that flow state it seems like that's actually translated over to your game a little bit because any of your matches that i've seen in the past it's very high energy as you were saying attacking submission to submission to submission was that something that you consciously did or it just kind of naturally happened coming over from maybe a more hyped up kind of sport? I think that's exactly it. I think, uh, you know, myself, I definitely got influenced and motivated by the b-boying community. Like, I want to go out there and be entertaining. Even though, like, I'm very competitive and I love to win, I, I hate to put on boring matches. You know, I hate to go out there and perform in a big stage where people pay money to come and watch me. And then we don't put on a show because we're so afraid to just try to win. You know, I, I, I want to go out there and put on a show regardless. Of course, I prefer to win and, you know, get the, you know, W or whatnot. But like I said, I feel more satisfying um, entertaining the, the crowd, the audience or whoever's watching. I want them to be able to remember my match and talk about it even after the match. You know, a lot of times when people compete and they don't really go for it, no one ever talks about that match. No one even remembers, you know, and I, I just hate that. You know, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be, every match I have, I want to be remembered for that match, I guess. I want every match to be epic. No, I feel the exact same. There's ADCC champions there, and I feel like I know a lot about the sport, but there's some ADCC champions, and I don't have a clue they won ADCC because it just, it doesn't stick in there if it's not exciting. So that's kind of the prerequisite. And then on top of that, you're just always trying to win. But what was it like then, the transition going from that into jiu-jitsu? When I first started, you know, I was so obsessed with b-boying and breakdancing that I just, like, almost was lying to myself. And I am like, no, I'm going to keep b-boying and being high level and trying to compete at the highest level and still do pursue jiu-jitsu and get my black belt and do all that. But, you know, it's very challenging to be able to keep that energy and still be very active and passionate about both, you know. I love b-boying. I still go to jams and I still go to battles and I enter battles here and there. But honestly, like, I just, I'm not fully dedicated to the art no more. I just don't have the same passion as I do for jujitsu nowadays. It just, it's almost like it breaks my heart to say that, you know, because I love, I still love b-boying. I still love dancing. It's still like a big part of my life. And I'm still grateful for all the tools and connections and everything that's done for for me in the past and in the present but it was I had to be realistic for my to myself you know if I wanted to be respected and I wanted to be elite in jiu-jitsu I had to fully commit I can't go halfway half-assed I gotta give all I have into the sport you know because it takes a lot for you to be in that level so I knew in my head that 
I can take whatever I learned from dancing, but I had to fully commit to my jiu-jitsu and um, live the jiu-jitsu lifestyle. Because even though b-boying and jiu-jitsu are very similar, the lifestyles are very different. You know what I mean? Like, and b-boying is okay to go to compete and and then after get drunk and party and and then the next day get drunk and party again and then the next day get drunk and party and then train and you know it's like you're more about the party life. And don't get me wrong, nowadays there's a lot of b-boying. They're like changing the the basic stereotype for b-boying and becoming more athletic sport because now it's like in the Olympics and all the younger generations are actually uh, picking up a lot of stuff from mixed martial arts and um, learning how to like really take care of your body so you can have a longevity in the sport. It's great to have found two passions so early in life. Like most people spend their whole lives and never even find one kind of true passion. So it's pretty lucky in a way to have, you know, two amazing different things to pick from. But what was it like getting the passion going in jiu-jitsu? Like how did your journey start with that? And how long did it take for you to think, oh, I actually want to do this for the foreseeable future? Like I remember the first month I just started training just uh, randomly because um, I met a guy that met a guy. Like that sounds crazy, but I, I knew a guy that was like really obsessed with everything his nickname he's like a local legend i guess he's like a dancer old school up rocker like really he doesn't do crazy tricks but he's like a really good dancer you know and um he has a lot of respect over here um we all known him since we were younger and stuff and his name is b-boy sewer it's short for connoisseur the thing about him he's just a big time collector he just collects everything and we would go to his house and um we just like rent dvds from him because he had like he just collected all the DVDs back in the days, and he had, like, all the old-school jiu-jitsu DVDs randomly. Besides the b-boying and dancing, he had all, like, the mixed martial arts collections of all the early UFCs and Pride and all that before they they were um, out there for everybody to have. Um, now you can get them anywhere, but back then they were kind of underground, and he was, like, the guy we went to to collect and just kind of, like, kind of know what's up. And he's, like, he put me on. He's, like, watch these uh, DVDs of ADCC world championships and I, and I just started watching them and kind of introduced me to what that was and then he told me that he met a guy that was opening up a temp planet in my neighborhood right next to where I lived at uh with my mom at the time and um so I, I just I, I was like man that's cool he's like yeah he's looking for a dance coach for his kid would you be interested I was like, I was like yeah why not I mean I honestly was kind of intimidated because I was like it's probably gonna be like at the time, I always thought everybody was going to be like a UFC fighter. All the grapplers were going to be like typical like UFC fighter with tap out shirt and, you know, all that stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know if it's because I'm more of an artsy guy. You know, I'm more like I'm more of a creative guy. You know, I'm not like a, I don't like that scene that much. I, I like to just be more chill, more artistic, more creative. That's what my, my head was. But then once I went to train with the the guys that I met, like, the Sean Bollinger and Ryan and these guys from Ten Planet. I was like, man, it's totally different. These guys are nerdy. These guys are like, these guys are good at fighting. And then I met them and they're, you know, they're super cool. They're just like, they're into similar things that I was into video games, anime, music, and they love jujitsu training. And, you know, and I learned a lot from them. And once I started teaching, I just got to train with them, um, Sean Bollinger mainly. And then Sean Bollinger introduced me to Eddie Bravo. Like the first month I was training, the first second month I was training, and then I ended up doing a tournament, Gracie Nationals. It was like a blue belt, white belt tournament, and everybody was already kind of like talking about me a little bit because they're saying like I was pretty good for 
just starting out, you know, and um, and Eddie Bravo was there, and he actually recorded it. There's, like, a video that he has somewhere up on his YouTube page, and he's like, this is Gio. He's a B-boy. Let me see what you got, and I'm, like, competing while he's doing this, and I ended up winning the tournament and doing very well, and I think I impressed Eddie, and ever since that day, Eddie took me under his wing and just kind of, like, we got along, and he just kind of put me on the culture, you know, not just, like, the moves and stuff like that. He he showed me the jiu-jitsu lifestyle, you know, what it was about, what I can be working for, what kind of mentality I should have, and, you know, just took my, took it serious, you know, because before I, I, I took it serious as I wanted to be good, but I was just, like, doing it as, like, ah, I'm just going to do it for fun. I don't really know I can make a career off this. Like, I wasn't really sure. But then once Eddie believed in me, it gave me confidence, you know. I'm like, Eddie, he's, like, well-respected. He's uh, been in the game for a long time. And if he has, you know, belief in me, like, if he believes in me, then that that's giving me confidence right there. Like, wow, Eddie believes in me. He's a legend. So ever since I met Eddie, I feel like that gave me confidence. And, and I learned a lot from him, just understanding, like, how to pursue the martial arts game without burning myself out and, without burning bridges and without being an asshole, you know, just do it the right way. And um, I learned a lot from him, honestly, like in a short time of a uh, short time, he, he, he taught me a lot, like in three, three and a half years, I ended up getting my black belt from him. So obviously he felt that I was like ready, not just like skill wise, but like ready to handle myself in the community and the world of jujitsu. I feel like that's overlooked as well, getting a lot of positive feedback when you first start training, because that's something that I was just kind of lucky that I had starting at a smaller club. And a lot of people thought of me as the good beginner, you know, and then going into competitions, I'd have that confidence, just naturally, like naive confidence almost. It's like, oh, well, I'm the good, I'm the good beginner. I beat all the other good beginners at training so I can beat them all at the competition. That's exactly what it is. You almost have like that false confidence that actually makes you be good, you know, because like that false confidence is almost like you start believing it and it starts becoming real. Like you manifest it. You're like, I am pretty good. Huh? I can beat that guy. And then like... You know, later on, I'm like, man, I don't even know how I beat that guy. You know, like, what was I doing? But you, you learn, you know, you learn through your journey how to get better. I was always really humble, like, coming up. But in my head, I would be not that humble at all. Like, I would think, okay, this guy is 100 times better than me. If we competed 100 times, 99, he would beat me. But if we really did do a competition, that 1% is what would happen at the competition. And I they actually just believed us just naively like you know <laughs> you believe that one percent so much you know like me too i'm like that one percent is there though like it's possible you know and that's the thing is like just being able to believe that you can do it is gonna take you far you know everybody that i know it's just like self-confident as in like you're not necessarily like cocky but you you believe in yourself you know you mentioned Eddie as well and some of the like culture around jiu-jitsu i feel like that's more important than ever nowadays as well because Anyone can show you the moves. You can go on YouTube. You can look up any move you want. Everyone has a different website, instructionals, whatever. It's actually pretty rare to have someone who's actually a coach that can kind of subtly guide you, like maybe go down this direction, maybe avoid being a dickhead here and people will help you more. And was it a, just a coincidence meeting Eddie or how did he help your jiu-jitsu maybe throughout the years? I think it was a coincidence that Eddie ended up being so much like me and my brother. You know, we ended up being so similar and just the way we grew up. And we, we kind of, we all, we were born in L.A. Like, we're Mexicans, you know, born in L.A. So, like, you know, we kind of came up differently. And um, 
and we we ended up falling in love with similar music even though we're like Eddie's older than me and my than Richie we ended up just having similarities in taste of music which was big because Eddie the musician and we're dancers so for us to connect with music was kind of cool it was like oh we, we have similarities in music like we just kind of nerd out like you're talking to your friend about music the first time we met Eddie we're just talking about music and you know Eddie loves talking about music and he has tons of stories and um, I think like just connecting to him in a different level beyond jiu-jitsu was um, was kind of like beneficial for me and my brother because Eddie was more into more involved with us he recognized us he's like oh yeah you guys are the guys who listen to cool music and break dance you know and obviously Eddie knew that we we're good at something else we we're already skilled in and b-boying and he he appreciated that he never like looked, looked down upon that upon that he actually embraced it he was always like man like I really I really like what you guys are doing with your b-boying and you did too you should figure out ways to mix it together so we we're doing a lot of um a lot of like I was using my head I was trying to think a lot doing a lot of like uh, research and development trying to figure out how to connect the b-boying movement that I already had into my jiu-jitsu to develop my style and Eddie was like motivating me to do that more and then he would just be like dude that was mix that up with your jiu-jitsu and you know just give me ideas like that but then also like you know Eddie started talking to me about like you know like thinking about coaching being able to start coaching and you know, being able to uh, start taking care of my body, not going to party and, and getting crazy every night because when I go back to jiu-jitsu, so I don't feel like crap and, you know, just stuff like that. Believe it or not, it was really strong of me just, like, being healthier and taking care of my body and not just being like a like a rock star, just partying all day, you know. And I know I said that earlier, but that changed my life a lot, you know, just being someone that kind of never really took his health as serious. I was more about, like, live fast, die young kind of mentality, like, who cares what happens? Like, I just, like, we're all going to die one day. Like, I'm going to die having fun. You know, that's what my mentality was. But then I saw, like, that just wasn't healthy or productive. And Eddie was, like, you know, a big influence of me seeing that path was in the path that I wanted to choose because he's already went through that, too. Eddie was a big partier. Eddie was doing all that, too. But he's like, man, like, I, I wish I didn't do that. You know, to be, like, the best, you, you can't do that. And... And, um, you know, that motivated me a lot to, to just, I always wanted to be better than Eddie and jiu-jitsu, you know, I hate saying that, but like, I always wanted to be better than Eddie. He had a good career, but I, I knew in my head I could have a better career if I listened to the stuff he was telling me, because that's what a coach does. The coach wants their student to be better than them. And I felt Eddie always wanted me to be better than him. So he was always telling me stuff not to do. And, um, and that helped me a lot. Yeah, and it's funny then that you help his career at the same time then. Like, he's now a successful competitor, kind of trailblazing American and one of the top coaches in the world. I mean, you're probably going to spend more time being a coach than you will being a competitor if you have a long jiu-jitsu career. So being a good student for your coach, sometimes, like, you're doing, like, you're helping them a lot as well, you know? That's the best, yeah. I wanted to just, like, be the best student to represent Eddie because even at the time when we started, you know, early on, um, like 13 years back when I started like 10 planet had like a different reputation you know we didn't have the same reputation we do now after the second match with Eddie and Hoyler then things changed you know what I mean before that people were were kind of already um you know they were talking a lot of shit about 10 planet and Eddie I would go to gyms where I mean people would train jiu-jitsu like oh you train 10 planet so that's not real jiu-jitsu and blah blah I'm like I wasn't really sure how to feel you know I was just like 
like kind of hurt me a little bit, but I wasn't like too much in the culture or had a name or even the skill to be able to be like, well, I, I'll prove it. I, I won this and then that, you know, I couldn't really do that. So I was just kind of like going off like the instincts and the connection that I made off Eddie. And I'd done research and stuff like that. So I knew a lot of people were just hating because Eddie would he'd be one of the greatest Brazilians ever. And um, people were a little bitter about it. And um, and then the rematch, it just showed how, how Eddie has such a unique style that was far advanced than what the Brazilians and the Gracies were doing at the time. And that's not to bring anyone down. It's just like acknowledge what was happening, you know? Yeah, and in the last few years, it really feels like the team has grown a lot. And it's almost like the image was that it was very rigid techniques and all this. But I think all along, it was actually very open mind. Like you even see Eddie taking the best bits from leg locks. Now there's a lot of good wrestlers are taking bits from the best wrestlers. And now it's really the last few years. I mean, you can't argue that one of the biggest, best teams in the world. And it must be cool being a central part to that as well. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, me and my brother, the Tempana Freaks, were a big part of that movement. You know, once we came in, we just kind of had our own energy. And, um, you know, I'm a good coach, but I definitely feel my brother's a, probably a better coach, as in not necessarily like coaching skill-wise, but my brother's really good at building the culture and building the gym environment and um, always making people feel welcoming. He's all, he's like a big brother to everybody, you know? And I felt like he, he uh, I learned a lot from him. My brother, just seeing him, how he... He was really good at building the gyms, culture, and just kind of creating a lot of monsters, you know, a lot of people. And really, like, it was already people that were talented, you know, like individuals. Just like how me and my brother came in, we're already kind of talented. It's just more embracing that talent and, and shaping it out, shaping it up and, and motivating them to fall in love with the sport so they can pursue it and, and you know, really commit their, their heart and soul into the, the sport. Because once you do that, then you can really – benefit and really do something you know if you're not passionate if you don't love the game if you don't love the the sport then you're not really going to be able to do some damage you know we have guys like pj keith kyle these guys that came up from us that that we they fell in love with the team they fell in love with the sport and that's why they're doing so great they're already talented they already have like mindset you know they already know how to get good at things but once they fell in love with the team and the culture and the environment and that allowed them to pursue the art and really go all in. And that's what we try to build, you know, and I, I feel good that we kind of brought that to 10 planet. And, and even if it's just a little ch chapter in the book, Eddie says, we're always going to have the chapter in the 10 planet book, the 10 planet freaks. And that's kind of like always made me feel very good because that's like a, a different kind of accomplishment that I feel like I always want to accomplish to, to help the um, system grow one way or another. And you mentioned as well getting your black belt in three years. And it wasn't like you just got the black belt in three years and you had a couple of years to kind of build into it. You were straight into like elite level competition. I was wondering how was that? And if you ever felt like you were playing catch up in certain areas or how, how were you able to get to such a high, high level and win in such a short amount of time? I always give credit to my uh, dancing mentality, my dancing background. I had that battle mindset, you know, I was ready to battle anybody at any time. And, you know, coming from a, a dance community, like, I hate to say, but we have a lot of egos and the people feed their egos a lot. Like, I hate that because, like, the ego almost makes you better in dancing sometimes. Like, you know, because you believe it so much that everybody starts believing that you're that god on the dance floor, you know, that that dude. And I feel like coming into jujitsu, even though I was a white belt, I still had, like, that advanced b-boy mentality that i was already something you know 
and I was just a question of time for me to become something. And it was like, but I knew in my head that I had to be realistic and I had to work my ass off. And I had a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, um, you know, sleeping in couches, a lot of like, you know, unhealthy meals that I had to deal with. But at the end, I just like committed and really put in that work because I knew this is what I needed. It was almost like this was going to change my life forever. And I knew it was something that, that I really, really, really wanted to. But, you know, competing at the highest levels right when I got my black bow, you know, it's almost like I got what I wanted. You know, like right here, you got your black bow. It's what you wanted. Now do something about it, like prove it. And I'm like, man, what if like I was better off just being that up and comer? Instead of being the guy now that people expect to be the guy. And then Eddie did EBI one and he invited me. He's like, you're the guy, you know, I want you to be, I'm doing EBI and I want you to represent for the small guys, the 145ers. Would you be down? We're going to have guys like Jeff Glover in it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, these guys that I looked up to, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for this shit. But the door was open. And like I said, I was looking for opportunities and I just stepped through that door and, and went all in and, at this time, I was li- we were living at a fighter house. Me and a bunch of the guys were renting like a house, but I didn't. I wasn't even making enough money to afford a room, so I was sleeping in the garage. In the garage, right next to me, Ben Eddie was living there, and Ben Eddie just moved in. We just met. Like I haven't known Ben Eddie forever. He just moved in because he's like, he wanted to train with us for the for EBI because he also got invited from Eddie for EBI. So it was like the first time we started hanging out and, and meeting each other. And, and um, we're both like brand new up and comers. We got to live in the fighter house together. We're good training partners. But I still remember like every day waking up with like anxiety. Like, fuck, I I got to compete coming up. I remember my shoulder was hurting. And I was like, like a lot of sleepless, anxiety, anxious nights before I competed. Because I just had so much expectations for myself when I got my black belt that I, I didn't want to disappoint people. Because I was like, Gio's the GOAT. He's the one. And, you know, you start kind of like putting all this pressure on yourself that really doesn't really matter at the end. If you win or lose, people still look at you the same. But, you know, at the time, I was still like figuring all these things out. And I was just like putting a lot of pressure on myself. And, you know, it was stressful. But also, um, you know, when I did win EBI or when I did win the um, ADCC North American Trials, like my first year as a black belt, only three and a half years of training or whatever, like, it did make me feel like special. Like I was like a prodigy in the game and this was my destiny and I was meant to be here and everything that I, w- I remember being at um the trials when I won and just like being in the hotel room, just like looking at myself, just crying, you know, just being like a, a big, a big weight off my back. Like, okay, I'm, I, I'm a jujitsu guy now officially. Like I'm no longer just the B-boy just trying to be good at jujitsu. Like what I did is like, no one's ever going to take that away from me. It was a turning point of my life in a positive way. It's the exact same almost experience, down to even the words you're using that I had, like winning the ADCC trials as well, the same kind of stuff. I knew I could do it, and finally I actually did it to, to at least some degree, you know. It feels good, you know, it's a big, I mean, what, that accomplishment itself is like, um, you know, just to be part of the trials and just to do it is like, that's a big accomplishment to win it and to represent your country. It's like, that's huge, so... It is. I mean, that's why we both felt that way, because we knew how much, how important and how valuable that was for us, you know, as, as an individual grappler. And all those nights staying in the garage, you're like, oh, I wouldn't, wouldn't change it for a second. All worth it. It's all worth, you know. Did you know since you started Jiu-Jitsu, like, oh, I want to do this as a career? Like, when was the point where you were thinking, I'm just going to keep doing this and see how far I get? Early on, like, um, the guy who was running the 10 Planet 
Vista at the time was kind of dealing with some family stuff and he kind of when I was a purple belt he kind of stepped away from the gym and just told me to pretty much run the gym for him you know and I was teaching and it was cool to be making some kind of cash you know and and there's like some kind of consistent cash flow and I I saw that um there's people out there willing to pay me to teach them jiu-jitsu even though I wasn't like at the time the best or anything they still I still have some skills that people wanted and um once I saw the the value in that I just kind of saw the business aspect of it too. Besides, I was enjoying it. I was having a really good time. I knew I could make some kind of cash, which was um, at the time, you know, something that I needed, another bump that I needed to get over, you know, becoming an adult and learning how to take care of myself. And I I wasn't pursuing any other kind of career or anything like that. I didn't go to any school for any kind of job or anything like that. So I was struggling with just financially, just staying, you know, staying above water. And I was just like, you know, going through some tough times and and um, just to see jujitsu, even though I just started, it was already benefiting me more than dancing has ever benefited me, which is pretty crazy because I wasn't even an elite grappler yet. I was an up and comer and I was already an elite dancer. But, you know, elite dancers, it's like, like I said, nowadays it's a lot better than it was when I was doing it. But it's still tough. It's still very hard. Like a handful, like 10 guys will make it, you know, out of like. You know, 10,000. Jiu-Jitsu is probably higher than that. You know, 100 guys out of 10,000 maybe can make it. So it was, just like, it was very tough at the time. And I saw the, the opportunity when it came down to running a business. And I liked that. Plus, I was happy doing it. So it's like a win-win situation. Like, I could put, you know, food at my table. And I can do it while, while having fun. Like, playing with my friends. Like, I felt like I was playing with my friends. You know, like, I could play with people and wrestle and do Jiu-Jitsu all day. Like, you know, you know the truth, like, if you love something, it doesn't feel like a job, you know, it really doesn't feel like a job, like, jiu-jitsu almost feels like, I have a really good business, and, you know, we're not, like, we live in a, a place that's kind of, it's not cheap around here, so, you know, we, we got to have pretty good memberships, expensive memberships and stuff, but for me, when I first started, it was, like, hard for me to, like, do that, I was like, man, I'm charging people, like, for this, but now I see the value, and I can see, you know, what people get out of it, but it, it took me a little bit to understand that concept, and once I saw it, it, um, it just made me pers- want to pursue it more because I did like the, you know, you were not only like, you know, you were making money, but it was worth it for the people paying that. You know, they were getting a lot out of it, so it's like you're helping people out in many different ways, and I I like that. I like helping people out. A lot of people like a month's membership, they'll drop it in one night out on the town at a bar. And how is the business side of things? Like, how do you find balance and then run the business, coaching, competing? The competition, jiu-jitsu, teaching and stuff is really fun. But the back work and stuff is like, you know, you have to deal with every problem that comes up. Sometimes drama in the gym, you know, just stupid stuff or random people that, you know, get hurt, that don't really train, that want to like, you know, just so much weird stuff that I had to kind of deal with. And I had to learn a lot and I made a lot of mistakes and I had to deal with a lot of negative stuff happened to me when I was learning everything by myself. Even though I had Eddie as a mentor, you know, he's not like holding my hand either. You know, I'm an adult. I had to figure things out on my own. And me and my brother, luckily I have a brother that's kind of pursuing the same thing I was. And together we're just kind of figuring things out. When I was teaching and running the gym, the guy who owned the gym actually ended up tiring and, and, and just closing the gym up. And out of nowhere it wasn't like something we worked we planned on or anything he just kind of his mom passed away and he just you know didn't want to deal with it which is understandable you know that's you do whatever you want you know like i can't control anybody you know what i mean but it sucked for it sucked for us and the team because we just didn't really know what to do and 
I was kind of panicking what to do, and I just ended up, I knew some um, MMA guy running a gym that I was teaching out of that uh, location, and I asked him if I could just bring my guys and start running my program there, and pretty much I just did that. So I ended up, um, I was running that for a while, but it was just weird working with people that you don't really have a connection with, you know, and just being a part of that gym, and it almost felt like, Every time I went there, I didn't want to be there because I was like, I just didn't want to see certain people or like the energy just wasn't the vibe I wanted. My brother at the time was doing MMA. He was doing very well, actually, as an MMA fighter. And his MMA coach was the guy also. He's also um, very good and knowledgeable of running gyms. He saw that my brother had a good energy, so they didn't have a jiu-jitsu program at his academy. And then my brother started teaching the jiu-jitsu program. The jiu-jitsu program was a five or a 6 a.m. class, pretty much morning class, but it ended up blowing up, having like 30 people after, you know, started with like two, three, and then like in a month, two months, he had like 30, 20 people, like, just because my brother has that energy, and then they added more classes, and then, you know, by the end of the year, Bill saw the potential and really loved what my brother was doing and sold half the gym to my brother, and they went half and half, like, made a temp plan in San Diego. That's where my brother and, and I got connected to like pro fighters like Lima, Les Carmouche, and like YL Watson, like all these pro fighters that ended up becoming part of our team was because they were already part of that team. And um, they ended up becoming 10 Planet through the, when we merged our teams together, my brother blew up, they blew it up, they blew the gym, 10 Planet San Diego became the, one of the biggest gyms in San Diego. And I was still kind of running my gym out of a different gym and we we're doing okay. We had a really good team, but just like, it was like, I was being held back because I just couldn't grow. I couldn't expand. I couldn't add classes and stuff. I just needed my own spot. And, you know, my brother and Bill pretty much went up to me and offered me. Pretty much they wanted to merge our gyms together and just kind of work with it. Like us three, me, my brother, and Bill, all three together, we keep each other accountable. And, you know, our gyms are we're killing it. We're really respected over here. We have one of the biggest teams out here. I'm living the best life of my life. Uh, I'm living, you know, good enough nowadays that I can, like, you know, be happy with my career and I'm proud of my, my hard work and try to help others too. You know, I have um, some of my teammates that work at the gym. They all have insurance and we're all, you know, living this life, you know, that we wanted to and we're working hard and making other people happy along the way, which is a win-win. So I'm just very grateful, honestly. Uh, I'm grateful because I know where I came from and I know where I'm at now. And I'm, I'm always like, man, I like, can't believe it. You know, it's hard to believe sometimes, but Sometimes we uh, we forget too, you know, where you come from, and it's good to talk about it because it reminds you, and and it feels good. How has it been having your brother Richie as well throughout the years, coming up through the sport with you? And does he ever get competitive between you? I'm sure it did in the past, but how's that relationship, and how has it helped you in your career? You know, me and my brother, like um, Richie Boogeyman Martinez, like we're super competitive since we were younger. Like he was always my older brother; he was always bigger, and um, he was just always good at things. And, I was always just the little brother that tried to get good at things. And no matter, like you said, like he could beat me a hundred times, but eventually I'm going to beat him. And I just have like, I'm really good at just pursuing things and getting good at it. And eventually he gets bored at it and quits and he's like, I don't care. And I'm like, well, I'm better than you. That's why, you, you know, as a kind of little brother, I was super competitive, probably super annoying to, to be, you know, around. Cause I'm always just like trying to be better than you at everything. So everything my brother tried to do, I try to be better at. And, um, you know, we're always super competitive. And then, like, you know, as we got a little older and we hit a, a point in our life that we were kind of both kind of soul-searching for something, 
you know, I remember like having a big fight and argument with my brother. And, you know, at the time I didn't realize how much it affected our lives, but I just like, I just remember being so negative to him, just like, just cause I was like not happy with my life. And I was just kind of projecting all that into, to him, you know, instead of being like fun, competitive, like I was just like bringing him down, you know, instead of being like trying to like, cause he was going through some tough time too. And I didn't realize that, you know, I was just like still keeping that same little brother, annoying little brother mentality, like just trying to be better than him, you know? But then I, you know, after a while he, he moved away and kind of like was working at like, um, like a random job and, and I was over here doing my thing and, you know, I kind of missed my brother, like, cause we were so used to being together and, and doing everything together. I kind of missed him. And then I started training jiu-jitsu and then he came down to visit for the holidays and I showed him jiu-jitsu and he like honestly fell in, fell in love the, the weekend I trained with him. And then like a month, two months later, he told me that, Hey, I'm moving back, dude. Like I want to train with you. I want to train jiu-jitsu. And he moved back, like literally moved back just to train him and his uh, wife. He's a black bone down too. They both moved back and started training together at the same time. They just went all in, you know, they just fell in love with it, went all in. And and me and my brother ended up, you know, bonding together through jiu-jitsu again. And I realized, like, now we're, like, the opposite. Now we're super competitive, but, like, we, we want each other to win, you know. Like, I want to go, I want to push him and go hard if we roll because I want him to be ready when he goes out there and compete. So you can, like, I want to, like, as hard as I can so like no matter what anybody brings to the table he's like ready because he we go so hard with each other you know I I want him to win I want him to be successful like that's why I'm so passionate about him like when he competes wins or lose everyone always talks about like that video Eddie Bravo made of me and Richie after Quintet you know how like I was like he was like Avenger brother and like it's very real because like you know I'm so passionate of me and my brother that like you know, it hurts. Anything negative that happens to my brother, like, I feel it, you know, even more, like, 20 times more. Just because I'm so connected to him. Just because, like, he's like he's done so much for me in my life and helped me so much mentally and physically that, like, I only want to see him win. You know what I mean? I only want to see positive things happen to him now. So, if anything negative or any kind of, like, ups and downs, like, we all got to deal with. Like, I just, like, he's my brother. You know, I just feel it for him. And, and I don't like seeing that shit. So... Nowadays is different. When we were younger, we were very competitive, very aggressive. Now we're still competitive, but we're more doing it because we love each other. You know. I was going to mention that quintet as well when you were talking through that because that's the thing that sticks out in my mind. Was that quintet one or two, the one that you won? It was two. Yeah, quintet two. That was one of the most exciting competitions I'd watched, I'd say, because, again, I felt like everyone on the team knew each other so much and really wanted the other person to win. That was really cool to see, like the just the closeness and... And that drives you on as well. Like I say, if he's doing a lot of training, it would be hard for you to take a day off and vice versa, you know? So oh yeah, I'm always giving out to my mom saying, mom, why couldn't I? <laughs> if, if I had a brother, I'd be ADCC champion at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> All the brothers are good, man. All the brothers out there are good, you know? 24-7, you have a training partner. Yeah, I agree. If I asked you about some of the exciting matches you've had throughout the years, because you've done so many different rule sets, so many different competitions, different countries, different weight classes. You fought all the best guys in the world. What are some matches that stick out to you? Maybe ones that were really challenging, ones that were surprising, ones where you had a great performance. Just some of your favorite matches that you could think back on. You know, like I remember the one from ADCC against Jeff Glover. That was another epic match. Maybe a surprise one at the time because it was probably earlier in your career. That's definitely one of my uh, top ones. You know, I would say like I have a couple matches that have been viral. You know, those are probably my top matches. Like, 
my magic with Ted against Hasim, you know, just because he's like a giant and um, he was a high-level grappler doing very well that night. And I think to see like the small guy submit the big guy in Japan, it's like, I mean, that's an anime itself right there. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it felt like. So that was a, and um, when people, when a normal person watches that, they get inspired. That they're like, whoa, like, so I, I really like that match. And then um, obviously my match against Jeff Glover, just because he's like, I looked up to him and it was at 80, my first ADCC and it was like the two top Americans at that weight class at that time, and it was almost like a passing of torch. You know, I felt like Jeff was like the new, like the young, up and coming, like you know, crazy American grappler. And then I I, be, I took the torch and I became that guy, and um, it felt good to win that. And then another big match, I, I love my match against Eddie Cummings, even though it was like a, a tough match, and I found myself in some bad positions. I just felt like the OT, the overtime was that big battle, and like. It just meant a lot to win in Mexico and to win for 10 Planet against Danaher Death Squad at the time was like we had a little rivalry. And um, it was just like just to make, you know, I love making uh, Eddie Bravo happy. And I feel like that was the happiest I ever made him. You know, that's why he, he told everybody he, uh, it's on video. And I'm not just saying this because uh, I'm because of anything. But Eddie says I'm his favorite student because of that because of that day because because I beat uh, Death Squad for him. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I always bragged her about like oh, I'm Eddie's favorite, <laughs> but just because of that, uh, he said it on video, right? You can't take it yeah. back. <laughs> but how do you feel now, kind of turning into the experienced, seasoned competitor with all the young guys coming up these days? It seems like the last couple of years, the competitors are getting younger and younger and younger. What kind of things have you been doing to try and stay ahead of them and outsmart them? I hate those guys, honestly. All those young kids, I, yeah. I hate all them young grapplers because can't go back in time and tell the young version of me to train, you know? I wish I did, but I didn't. And the thing is, too, is like, I still feel like a young grappler myself, you know what I mean? Because even though um, I'm older, I'm 34, I started jiu-jitsu, you know, when I was like 23 years old. So it was about... 11 years ago, you know what I mean? So I haven't really been training that long and I'm not burned out. I'm actually very fresh mentally in the game. But, you know, I mean, uh, obviously, like, you know, I, I say any sport, jiu-jitsu, dancing, you know, basketball, soccer, you know, the younger you are, the better. You know what I mean? Like, if you start at a young age, it's only going to make you better unless you burn out early on. You know, if you start too early, you can get burned out too early, which happens to a lot of, like, a lot of talented grapplers and, and fighters and athletes and stuff. But if you have the right state of mind and you have a good um, environment around you, then I feel like if you start young, man, that's powerful, you know. You have all the tools and, you know, you pretty much got breaded into jiu-jitsu or breaded into whatever you're doing. And, you know, that mentally it's hard to deal with, you know, knowing this, this guy has been training just as long as you. He's young, healthy, has nothing to lose. You know, and um, people expect you to beat them all the time, like just because you're you're young, you're older than them, even though you have just as much or even maybe less experience than they do. You know, a lot of times, um, younger guys training for like 15 years, they're they're not even belted yet. You know, like they're blue belts or purple belts or something. Not a bunch. There's like a few guys in the world, but those few guys in the world are the guys that always end up competing against. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I gotta be that guy and stuff. And I definitely feel like. Um, you know, the mental part is the hardest part. It's like not wanting to lose someone that's like less experienced, up and coming and stuff like that. That's the toughest thing to deal with, honestly. Like, and then you roll with them. You're like, man, I beat myself, honestly. Like, these guys weren't even, like, they're nothing. You know, they're just like another good grappler. But 
you beat yourself like before you're in the defensive mindset instead of offense. right you don't want to lose and i feel like that's been like the weakest point of of me when i compete against those guys those young guys that i just like i give them too much credit too much props you know but at the end of the day it's like um you know they don't got nothing to lose but i don't got nothing to lose either you know it's like whatever i already accomplished whatever i already did it's not gonna go away it just like i want to i always tell everybody this like i just want more epic battles i just want more more highlights you know that's what i do this for i'm already happy with my career i've done some pretty great things i'm not satisfied because i don't think you ever really are satisfied with your career you know what i mean but i'm pretty happy of the stuff i accomplished and i'm pretty recognized around the world one of the most recognized grapplers in the world and and i'm happy you know but i'm not satisfied that's why i'm still going out there putting myself out there and i still feel i can my body could do a lot of uh, damage you know i feel like my body's still able to move and do things that a lot of these guys still can do. I'm still a high-level grappler, but I'm also a high-level athlete of the stuff and movement I still can do. So I know I have that. Even though I'm older, like I can do shit that you know a lot of these young guys would never be able to do. Speaking of the next competition, then you have coming up the Polaris squads because there's a lot of those young guys we were just talking about on Team Brazil. What's your approach then? You kind of don't know if you're going against someone big or someone small because I competed on the event before and I was like. Do I train with bigger people for this? Do I plan for, you know, and it's kind of hard to plan for, isn't it? But it's an exciting event at the same time. I wonder what your thoughts are on. I just roll with everybody, you know? And like, I try, I try to tell my squad that I try not to train for events. I try to not get ready, but stay ready. You know, I'm already ready at the gym battling, you know, all these heavyweights, Kyle Bame and Kyle Chambers. And, you know, I got smaller guys at my gym too that i'm rolling with whatever like i roll with everybody that's the guy i am that's the kind of grappler i've been since day one i roll with everybody the main thing is i just want to go in there healthy you know like sometimes when you train with bigger guys you try to go too hard and you know sometimes a little weird movement could hurt you you know so i just try to make sure i train i train my ass off but go in there with great cardio and no injuries and then I always tell everybody these kind of quintet tournaments or like Pandora's box. Like you never know what you're going to get out of it. So like, who knows what the fuck is going to happen? I might fucking break some dude's arm or I might get my arm broken. Who knows? You know, like that just, that's just part of the game, man. And it kind of makes it more exciting, doesn't it? Not knowing what you're going to get, not knowing what you're going to expect. And I like that. I like things that make me excited. You know, I like things that make me lose sleep. You know, like I'm like, oh, like I'm hiring having some kind of hard, you know, time sleeping because I'm thinking about it. You start thinking of all sorts of matchups in your head and you can't really do match jiu-jitsu, you know? That's impossible to do the match jiu-jitsu. I'm like, well, I try to watch like matches like, well, Mika Gaval match good against him and I rolled with that guy before and I've done this. It's like, you're, you can't do that. You know what I mean? You just got to go in there and hope the best and, you know, just do all the hard work before. To me, the hard work's always like, cardio you know just like make sure my cardio and my conditioning is ready so i don't get tired against the big guys that i'm gonna have to use a little bit more energy just make sure i can outlast them with cardio and maybe i'll my i'll work them i hope watching it next week that it has kind of a similar energy to the quintet we were talking about earlier because it has a lot of 10 planet guys on the team like yourself who, who else is on it yourself uh nathan archer i think keith Gregorian, sure. and your brother richie who else oh and thor as well yeah, so it's 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 Team US, but it's almost Team Ten Planets. Pretty much, like it wasn't supposed to be originally. The USA team originally was like JT Torres and um one one of the Tackets and 
you know, we had a bunch of people competing for the Team USA versus the European team versus you guys, I believe. A lot of guys ended up dropping out during because uh, it was still kind of like COVID time. And by default, we ended up having to switch the team and add a bunch of guys. And, you know, a lot of guys that we wanted in the team weren't available. And the 10 Planet guys were already there. They're already they're already they're ready. And and I mean, those guys are all killers and they all work with Polaris before. So I think Polaris wanted those guys. We, we just said, hey, um, here's the thing. If we end up winning, uh, if we end up winning, then we're going to keep the squad. You know what I mean, we're going to switch the squad. And we ended up winning. And, and then, um, you know, this time around, I know a lot of guys want to get their shot back. They're like, hey, can I get my spot back? But that's not fair. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of fucked up. Well, who am I going to kick out? You know what I mean? Like, we can't do that. So it just ended up being uh, more 10 planet, even though we didn't pick the team that way. It just ended up working out that way. I don't mind personally because these are my boys and I, I and I have confidence in all of them and I trust them to go out there and fight hard. But we added guys like Mason Fowler too and stuff like that, you know, which is going to be a big uh, addition to the team because he's like a monster. But he's like already cool with all 10 planet guys too. So who cares about teams? You know, we're not trying to like go out there and be like, we're 10 planet, but we do represent 10 planet, but we're trying to go out there and win for the USA. No, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to watching that now. Just before I let you go, I was wondering what other stuff do you have coming up? Obviously, if ADCC later in the year, is there any other matches you're looking forward to? One, one championship uh, offered me a match, you know. I, I believe, I'm not sure if it was going to be against Mikey, but I'm pretty sure it was going to be against Mikey. But they wanted me to get vaccinated. I'm not super against vaccinating, but I just like, I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? And I just feel like uh, I'm not going to get forced into it just for a match. I have some health subs that... I don't like to talk about, but I don't want to like, you know, risk it with um taking the vaccine and stuff like that. So, so other than that, um, you know, at this point, I'm just open. You know, I, like I said, I'm at the point of my career that I'm only taking things that make me excited, things that are fun. You know, I don't, I don't really have any um, you know, anything like planned, but I always end up having matches offered for like uh, you know, either do stuff with Quintet or do stuff for the UFC Fight Pass. Or whatever, you know, I'm open. I know Eddie wants me to do another EBI. And um, I told him that I might consider just doing one more before I retire from EBI just because I love um, the EBI concept. You know, it'll be fun. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm always uh, open to any super fights and, and stuff like that. But it just has to be exciting. You know, it has to be something that I'm interested in, something that's going to make me get up and have anxiety in the morning. <laughs> Class, so I'm really looking forward to see it anyway, and I really appreciate you jumping on today. Great to chat to you about everything and all the best coming up soon as well. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate you um, having this conversation with me. Really enjoyed seeing the content you're putting up. Yeah, hopefully we get to train sometime soon. Thanks, Gio, for the great chat. I really enjoyed recording that one, and it was cool to hear about the similarities and differences between b-boying and jiu-jitsu from someone who's got to the highest level in both disciplines. I also took a lot away from our discussion about the importance of finding passion in life and also some of the challenges around keeping the hunger and competing against the up and coming generation. Before we go, I want to say a quick thanks again for everyone who's been supporting the podcast recently and also giving some great feedback on my new instructional course, Overpowered Leg Locks on Technically.com. Anyone who wants to check it out themselves and add some new and unique leg lock ideas to their game, I left a link below in the description along with some of my other instructional courses as well. 
As usual, if you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and also leave us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. That really helps to grow the podcast a lot. We'll be back next week with another great guest. So until then, Salam Agus Banach. <laughs>